Good morning, church. We're so glad that you're here with us again. Maybe you're feeling a little cooped up. You're looking for a reason to get out and a way to make a difference during this uncertain time. We have an awesome opportunity for you this week. On Tuesday and Thursday from three to five, we're gonna have someone here at the church collecting food. And so if you wanna come by and drop off any canned goods or non-perishables or anything like that that you would like to donate, this is really our opportunity to show love to the most vulnerable members of our community. This is our way of looking out for and um, providing for people who might not feel safe leaving their homes to even go to the grocery store. And so I wanna encourage you, please partner with us in showing love to our community. Again, that's Tuesday and Thursday from three to five here at the church. We hope to see you there. I also wanted to let you know that down in the description, you're gonna find a link to our church giving page. We believe that we give when times are good and when times are bad. And so I wanna encourage you church not to let your circumstance dictate your participation in a spiritual discipline this important to your relationship with God. Don't let what's going on in the world affect the way that you worship and acknowledge God as Lord of your life in every way, including financially. This morning, we're gonna be continuing in our series Beyond the 52, where Pastor Mike is really showing us what it looks like to go beyond just Sunday morning. What does it look like when we come together and really become the church? Hey, I wanna welcome you to Mission Viejo Christian Church. We are online. I'm so glad you're here with us on our weekend services. My name's Pastor Mike, and I hope that uh, the time that we spend together in God's Word will be not only uh, encouraging for you, but really challenging. You know, I've entitled this um, Beyond 52. That's the name of the whole series through the book. And the reason I chose that is it was really written to the occasion of Christianity was something that was not just every Sunday. It was every day, all day, all the time. God desires our whole heart. He wants us to live 24-7. And so really following Christ means going beyond just 52 Sundays out of the year. And certainly the writer of the book, Peter, he knew that. We'll, we'll get to that in just a minute. I do want to acknowledge that the uncertainty of the times that we're living in right now with the spreading of the coronavirus, not just across our entire nation, but even across the world, has devastated um, just life as we know it. We've been taken out of the norm and put into a whole new norm. And it's been absolutely just, just cr kind of crazy. Um, most of the world is what we call in kind of a stay at home. Life has definitely changed. The things that we really leaned on and expected and felt comfortable with sports, entertainment, even just relationships, hanging out with people. It's just, it's a new norm. And so um, I, I think the writer who wrote the book, Peter, wrote to a similar occasion where there was a lot of fear, anxiety, worry, even uncertainty about the future. Of course, in that day, it was much more intense because they were under a lot of opposition from the government who wanted to basically uh, annihilate Christianity and dispose of it and all Christians. And so there was a lot of fear through the land. And so this book was written to that occasion, which I just I hope and pray will be really encouraging for us. Now, the writer of the book, Peter, was a guy just like us. I love Peter because I can relate to him. I hope you can, too. The reason that I like him is because he had failure. He had a, a couple of successes and he just he followed Jesus from the heart. In fact, when Jesus called him from the fishing docks of the Sea of Galilee, he said to Peter, Peter, you fish for fish. I'm going to teach you to fish for people. And it was at that moment Peter left everything and followed Jesus. There was one point as he was following Jesus with the 12 apostles, and Jesus says to Peter, James, and John, I want you to come follow me. I want you to come up to the mountain with me. And as they're traveling up to the mountain, it was 9,000 feet up elevation. And we know that when they got to the top, because the book of Matthew tells us that Jesus 
just showed himself in all of his glory. He, he, he showed the disciples all of his full-on majesty, his glory, that he is God in flesh. They were so moved by that moment. Peter just kind of steps out and says, hey, Lord, let's just stay up here forever. Why do we even need to go down? Let's just build three structures and, and we'll just stay here with you. I got to thinking about that and asking myself the question, you know, as they came back down into the valley, they met a family that was in trouble and Jesus solved this problem for this family that was in need. But in the moment of the valley, I'm sure there were a lot of questions. God, where are you? What are you doing? Just like today with the coronavirus and what we're all experiencing, you know, the question is, God, you must be up to something, but what is it, Lord? What are you doing? We can't always be on the mountaintop with everything is great. We must oftentimes go down in the valley and Jesus is right there in the valley with us. You know, I um, woke up uh, last week one morning and I just remember um, I had one thought on my mind as soon as I woke up. And maybe some of, you can, some of us can relate to this. Um, went through the day, couldn't get that thing off my mind. It was just in front of me and even uh, all the activities of the day just seemed to be clouded with that one thing. And the one thing that was on my mind, unfortunately, was me. I was so concerned and consumed with my whole life that I couldn't see beyond what God wanted to do. I don't know if you've ever had those moments where it just seems like the whole day we just get consumed with me and I and what I need and what I want. I was uh, a couple days ago in the parking lot at Best Buy because I had to pick up a small tripod uh, for some of the online devotions that we're doing. And as I was sitting and waiting in the parking lot, um, I was getting more frustrated because the time was passing and they didn't come out when they were supposed to to deliver my product. And I was just getting more frustrated and just internally just flustered. And so um, right about the time that I was just, oh, come on, what is going on here? Uh, I got a phone call from my friend and he says, hey, Mike, just wanted to talk to you about um, prayer and how I believe, you know, prayer is huge. We got on the whole topic about prayer. It was right in that conversation that God brought something to my mind. And I, I, I just, I want this to relate to where we're going in 1 Peter chapter 2. When my wife and I lived in Hawaii, I remember this word picture God gave to us um, that oftentimes there were these tsunami warnings, a tidal wave that was going to come into the islands. There was an earthquake in Japan and they had predicted there was going to be this huge tsunami that was coming in. And we were learning about all this because this was all new for us. But understanding that when a tidal wave comes in, before it actually comes in, it actually recedes, the water recedes from the shoreline back out into the ocean. And when it recedes, it exposes everything on the bottom of the ocean. All the good things, all the beautiful things, the shells and the rocks. But then it also exposed all the trash and all the bad things that were there. And I got to thinking about that, that God, could it be that, of course, I don't believe God created this coronavirus for us at this particular, God didn't cause this, but he certainly is allowing this. God Nothing takes God by surprise, but God, what are you doing with all this? What do you want to do? And I just, I just believe in my heart because we've been praying for so long for an ingathering of lost people. Have you noticed that in the past years that there's this kind of this apathetic kind of spirit among just Christ followers? Well, you know, we can follow Jesus if it's convenient or I'll go to church today or I don't really need to go to life group or Bible study. And if we can, you know, fit in our schedule, maybe we'll serve the Lord. And there's not this sense of urgency, this passion of God, what do you want us to do? We'll do whatever you want us to do, God. And I just believe that God wants to bring back this holy insurgence, if you will, back to his church and that, and that non-church people would have this 
God would bring all these people back to him and back to the church. But here's, here's the thing. We must be ready for that. Are we ready for this receding of the waters and allowing things to be exposed so that we deal with them in God's timing so that when those who come in will see the light of who God is? That's really the question, which leads us right into 1 Peter chapter 2, beginning in verse 11. If you're following along, Peter writes this. He says, Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires, which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, that they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. So he's really saying, you used to live in this way, but I don't want you to live in this way now because you've received Christ. He's changed everything. He has transformed us. And so these waters that are receding, are we willing to look at some of those things maybe that we've allowed to creep back into our lives that wage war against our soul, some of the behaviors? And then he goes on to say this in verse 13, Submit yourselves, therefore, for the Lord's sake, to every human authority, whether to the emperor or to the supreme authority or to governors who are sent to him, by him to punish those who do wrong and commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor. And slaves in reverence fear of God, submit yourselves to the masters, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. For it is commendable if you bear up under pain of unjust suffering because they are conscious of God. I, I, when I read those texts, I, I, I get the sense that it's very, very clear that Peter is telling us through the Holy Spirit, I want your attitude to be humble and submissive because there are people around you who are watching. There are people who are noticing how you live. So we put away those things that we used to live with, the addictions and the drugs and the apathy and pride and greed and arrogance and all those things. We used to live that way, but now we've been changed. We live in a new land. We live in a foreign land now, which heaven is our land. This is not our home. This is not our reward. We know that heaven is, which we're reminded by that Jesus is going to visit us, meaning at his second coming. So I read something about this, that the whole idea of humility and submission, which is really a powerful testimony to those who might be just far away or lost from God. Back in 1904, there was a huge uh, awakening to the gospel of Jesus Christ in the particular area of Europe. And there were a bunch of people that were gathered to, together and they were praying and worshiping and God was moving. The Holy Spirit was powerful in that moment. To one of the people, God spoke very clearly and he said this, I want my people, number one, to obey the Holy Spirit promptly, to put away any known sin, and to love the Lord and to love people. It's that simple, life-changing. So in order to make a difference in the world that we live in, God's looking for a changed heart. He's looking for a person or a group of people or a community of people that are humble that he can land on and do some powerful things in. But we have to be willing, like that illustration of that receding of the waters, we got to look at some tough stuff in our life that we've been hanging on to. I, I literally saw a city 
in Costa Rica that years ago who got together and started praying. They had all kinds of crime and disruption in the city. Nobody could solve the problems. And there were a few people that were so dedicated to the Lord, they got together and they started praying. And as they were praying, the Lord was revealing things that they needed to change. And when they changed, the churches began to change, the people of God began to change, and the entire city took notice that these Christians were real, they were authentic, they were on fire, and the whole city came to God. It was amazing. I saw pictures of now the, the trucks that used to bring in the agricultural for the economic stability of the city. Now the trucks had, uh, after all this revival that happened, it actually had Jesus as Lord all over the trucks. It was, it was just an amazing witness to see all this. The thing that captivated me most is that God brought back the economy of that particular city that was absolutely devastated. But when they turned to God, God turned around the economy just like that. It was, it was an amazing witness. It, it, it caused me to think about 2 Chronicles 7:14, where God says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from my wicked, their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. Why I think that is so applicable to us today is that a lot of us are spinning out of control because we're worried about the economy, we're worried about jobs, and God is saying, I'll take care of that. You humble yourself before me. This is an amazing time for the United States of America to come back to God. Just like it said there were false accusations back in that day, just like today, we may be falsely accused. We may be dealing with uncertainty and worry and fear, just like the believers of that day. And, and, in, and in these verses, he's plainly telling us, I want you to submit yourself to the authorities. What? Submit myself to the authorities who are falsely accusing us, who want to put us in prison, who want to take our very lives? And God is saying yes, because your witness as a humble servant of God and a humble servant of the government will be a powerful witness for the gospel for the people that I love. So we're going to look at three things today really quick. We're going to look at the particulars of humility and submission. We're going to look at the purpose of humility and submission. And then we're going to look at the practice of humility and submission. How do we do this? Number one is the particulars. The particulars of humility, and of course, you may be listening or watching this going, man, I just can't wait to get out there and humble myself, right? None of us live that way. We struggle with being humble. Because we all have that ego and pride. We all look out for number one. And when we look at, at the essence of what humility really is, in the Greek, it means a soldier that is under the rule of a commanding officer. It means he or she puts themselves under authority of someone else. That word really means in conjunction with servant, a picture of this ship that is caught in a, in a huge storm. And there are those that are in the underbelly of that ship and they're the under rowers, and they're rowing to get to the destination, following the orders of the captain who's above them. That's exactly the example that Jesus gave us. In Philippians chapter 2, it says that Jesus humbled himself, that he became a servant, that he got down on his hands and knees and he washed the disciples' feet, that he laid himself down on a cross because he loves us so much that he wanted to trade his life for our life, that we could have eternal life and life abundant. But they were living in the days of hail Caesar. Caesar's our Lord. In fact, it was even said on the coins. And when they walked into the city of Rome, they literally had to say Caesar is Lord. And so this created this conflict between the believers of Christ because Jesus is now their Lord. 
And so Peter is saying, unless it causes you to go contrary to the scripture, I want you to humble yourself and submit to those in authority because your witness will be powerful. So that leads us to number two. The purpose of it is in verse 13 and verse 15 and 16. God says, for the Lord's sake. Why do we do it? Because the Lord. We do it to please him. Why? Because we love him. Why do we love him? Because he loves us. If you know the Lord, you know that he loves you. You know he's forgiven you. You know he gave you eternal life. And that's the confidence that we have that we can love him back and submit and humble ourselves. So I don't know where this lands. Maybe you're thinking right now about when we get back to work or when we get back to the normalcy of, you know, everyday family life or, you know, maybe in school classes or relationships that we have. There's no shortcuts. There are, there's no place for arrogance. In all those relationships, God is giving us an opportunity now in the midst of this virus that's spreading to get right with him, to have a humble attitude and a humble heart. You know, there's a lot of workplaces out there that need a lot of humility. And I think that is one of the biggest things that we can bring as believers to the workplace. Whether we own the company or we're working for someone, I, I have this, this dream, okay? Call it crazy if you want. I, I just have this dream that, that CEOs of companies, that, that managers of institutions, that um, um, uh, great scholars who are looking to hire people in the educational system, whatever it is, the medical field, that, that people who are looking for people in the workforce would say things like this, find the Christians, hire them. They are the most honest, hardworking, Real people, when they mess up, they take responsibility for what they've done. They don't blame others. They don't skirt the issue. These are the people we need in our company. These are the people that we need working in our institution because they make us better. That's the kind of attitude that Peter is looking for, that we would simply practice humility, which leads us to number three. Humility is something that we practice. We never receive a master's degree in humility. We never arrive. But we know that our destination is always keeping our eyes on Jesus. And we have opportunity now to humble ourselves. You know, I, sometimes I forget in the world that we live in that people who just are lost, who don't know the Lord, um, it's, it's an opportunity for us in whatever relationship we have with unbelievers or people who maybe left the church for a while to humble ourselves before them in any circumstance that we find ourselves in. Sometimes I, I forget and I think that, well, um, sinners, people who just, you know, don't know the Lord. I remember I was in that lifestyle. They're supposed to sin. They're supposed to act a certain way. So why would I expect a person who doesn't know the Lord to act like Christ when they don't know Christ? Why try to change somebody's life? Rather, it would be better to humble ourselves and show Christ to someone and pray for them and then watch for an opportunity to tell them about how wonderful Jesus is, how he can resurrect our dead life, that he can breathe new life into us, that he can change things. And then the Spirit of God starts to change people. And it's not us trying to change, but through an act of humility. And it takes practice. There are some days, man, I just, Lord, I feel so far away from the mark that you've laid out for me, but I'm so grateful, God, that you're a forgiving God. Which leads us into the last section of these, this text. Verse 20, it says, But how is it that you credit if you receive a beating for doing and enduring it? But if you suffer for doing good and endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. 
And when they hurled insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed for you were like sheep who have gone astray. But now you have returned to the shepherd and the overseer of your souls. I think to wrap all this up, God is just telling us that Jesus is our example of humility. And when I think about when he went to the cross, that was the greatest act of humility that God could ever show to us, that he laid himself down on the cross. Those Roman soldiers, the very ones that lied, Jesus knew that they were going to false accuse the Christians years later, that he laid himself down on the cross. And as they put those nails into his hands and into his feet, that he looked up into heaven and he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. I think about that and I think about Jesus looking into my face when I was completely rebellious against God, when I didn't know God, didn't care about God, just lived the way I wanted to live, live for me. And in the midst of all that, Jesus caught my attention because he said, Father, forgive Mike. He doesn't know what he's doing. I tell you, when, you've, when we're touched with God's love like that, it, it makes us want to change because it humbles us. Humility is a gift. Only some receive humility. Only some receive an anointing and a power of God because they're willing to humble themselves. There's no room for pride. There's no room for arrogance. And I just want to say again, the time is now to humble ourselves before God and humble ourselves before people that they might see the gospel. So, so here's some practical things I just want to leave us with. Number one is, um, think about reading Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. It's a great passage of scripture that just remind us, if Jesus did this and Jesus' Holy Spirit lives in us, we can do the very same thing that Jesus did. And so reading that as a family or just reading that in our quiet time with God can be really helpful. I think um, phrases like not being afraid to admit when we're wrong is a really good thing. That's a very humbling thing and God blesses us for that. I think, um, you know, not caring who gets the credit in a project that we're working on or something we're working on at work and letting someone else get the credit, lifting others up and not worrying about so much ourself. I think being honest with one another, being honest with ourselves and honest with God is a part of the humbling process. I think another thing, especially in a time like this, is to be thankful, thankful for what we have. You know, I found in our family, we're spending a whole lot of family time together. It is so cool. I am loving it. But otherwise, we would have been so scattered. So we can look for the silver lining out there, even in the midst of what's going on. I just um, finished. I saw something on YouTube that I thought was captured this whole thing. There are people that are, as you know, literally dying by the hundreds and even thousands in, in Italy. And it's just so sad. I saw on a YouTube video some very well-known doctors uh, from a whole distant country that were traveled on a plane together. And as they got off the plane at the airport, greeting some of the people in Italy, we didn't know the names of those doctors. We didn't know their PhDs. We didn't know they, where they went to school. And there was this great applaud that was going on for all these doctors who we didn't know their name. We didn't know where they were from. All we knew is that they were there to humble themselves, to serve and heal the ones that were sick. Man, if, if that isn't a picture for us today, you know, if you're a Christ follower, you've been called, you've been chosen 
To do what? To humble yourself, to humble myself before God and before others and serve. I hope this passage has been encouraging and challenging for us. And I'm looking forward to seeing you next Sunday here at MVCC Online. Please don't forget some ways that we can continue to serve our own community here is we have something called uh, Operation Acts 245. And that's just a reference about the, the Christians in that day sold everything and they gave to those that were in need. If you have some extra things going to the grocery store, pick up some extra things. You can drop them off at Missionvale Christian Church Tuesdays, Thursdays between 3 and 5 p.m. And uh, we'll make sure they get into those hands that are really needy during this time. I look forward to seeing you next weekend, MBCC here online. Love you all, and we'll see you next week.